Hi, this is Claudia Gray, and you're listening to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. This is one of your hosts, Lindsay, for Don't Burn the Sacred Text, and I know you're used to hearing my good buddy Brandon kick everything off, but unfortunately he can't make it tonight. Fortunately, though... I do have a fun little uh, guest surprise from one of our other shows. I have the ever-beloved Zach from Sip Talk. Hey, what's up? How's it going? It's going. It's going. You know, like I said, I'm I'm in the middle of some home projects, so you're going to have to help me with that after this. But for tonight, I'm at least excited. We get not just one, but two books that you and I get to talk about tonight. So I know you've been on Don't Bring the Sacred Text before, but we do have a little bit of a different format since, again, we now have two books. Um, So the books we're going to cover tonight are Test of Courage by Justina Ireland and Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. But Zach, before we hop into those two books... I got to ask, because you and I haven't really had a chance to, we've obviously talked offline, but we haven't had a chance to sit down and record together since High Republic really kicked off. So give me a quick overview. Kind of what are your thoughts? What are your feelings with what we have so far and where you think we're headed? Well, I overall, how I feel about the High Republic is that it is essentially for comic book uh, readers out there. It is the Superman of... Star Wars in the sense that the High Republic has a lot of hope invested a lot of um, this is a hopeful time for the actual Republic and that's such an uplifting thing to see even as a Star Wars fan where you know that it's going to eventually lead into erosion and maybe we're going to see these things um, slowly erode over time. Uh, but right now there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of fun. It's very high fantasy, very Jedi focused, which is something that I was looking forward to. And when you're talking about, well, why didn't they just make the old Republic, um, which would be kind of what I would argue when I first heard about this, it's a completely different thing. And I, what I think is great about it is I no longer, the best thing about it is I no longer crave i don't want the high republic to be the old republic i want the old republic to be the old republic because i'm loving the way the high republic is as its own uh timeline in star wars and there are a lot of awesome things that get hinted in these books and i feel like there's a lot of um foreshadowing about the Jedi Order and some of its failings slowly seeping in. There's a couple things that Jedis do that almost every Jedi does so far in the High Republic, but nobody talks about it, and I love that. And there's there's a villain, or multiple villains really, but the main villain, the Nile, that are basically these Vikings from space. And at first I was very nervous about how there would be a threat to the Jedi, but they are very, very intriguing. So, so far, I'm absolutely loving it. And I'm sure you expected nothing less than at least a minute explanation of how I'm feeling about it. <laughs> you actually cut it shorter than I thought you would. But it's it's so funny because you really are kind of like the old Republic guy, you know. And when this was first announced, I remember back even before Sith Talk joined the network you and I talking about what we wanted from High Republic and what we expected. And you did keep talking about it in terms of and in comparison to the Old Republic. And it was with kind of a mix of like admiration and fear, because I think between all of us, you are the most well-versed in Old Republic. You know, I've read it. I have played the games. I've done all of that. But I never really took a shining to it and had that connection that you did. So I was getting amped for this to be something totally new. 
and you really kind of wanted it to be, I don't want to say any kind of copy, but it, it always felt like you wanted it to pay homage to the old Republic. And I feel like it kind of has that line, especially with so many of the things where it's funny because you say foreshadowing and I, I want to agree because I know literary, literarily, if that's a word, um, foreshadowing is the right word, but it's so weird because it's it's kind of alluding to things that have happened in the past in timeline, and we're, we can certainly get into it with these two books tonight, but I love all the references to the past, you know, Sith War and all of these other battles that we're supposed to know and all of these other artifacts that we're supposed to know, because it kind of makes me think like, okay, if this is the High Republic, are we going to go back even further eventually are they setting something up where we can keep digging into this past you know it's not just going to be let's keep moving forward and go to the prequel era and let's flat you know see what happens in these 200 years but we can really keep going further and further back and that's something that i'm really excited for yeah and i i'm I mean, so far the 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 books uh, from the High Republic they've mentioned a couple things about the Sith, but my initial confusion confusion uh, early on with the High Republic when it was announced was that the marketing made it seem like it was the old Republic, but without the Sith. So my confusion was, how do you make this timeline uh, valuable, intriguing, intriguing, and interesting? without and and high fantasy without the sith i i didn't understand that and i also was very confused why you wouldn't separate yourself from the prequels um a little bit more than i believe what is it 400 or 200 years i'm still confused on that i think it's 200 and i was very confused about that um just in general but now that i've had the actual premise uh which is light of the jedi um you know, kind of really go into detail about that. Um, And the way the High Republic feels as a whole, it's very necessary for it to be at the timeline that it is. And it's its own timeline. And that's something that with just three books and three issues of comics coming out, um, it's already very, it's very much its own thing. And I'm very much glad that this isn't the old Republic. How, and, and this is going to allow the old Republic to be the old Republic while still the high Republic gets to be the high Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's a good balance, but I feel like this is a really good kind of segue because we are leading into a lot of the questions that I, I'm going to have for you. Um, but overall look between test of courage being the, I think it's, considered what is it a middle school reader is what they're calling it i would hope so yeah i I don't know if that's the exact term um i know brandon always gets really into the middle school books as well but again he is a teacher um so he he kind of works us into a lot of his classes this was really the first one probably since middle school that i've read um but between test of courage and into the dark being the young adult's um, reader, what would you really rate these two? Um, give me kind of your overall impressions on them. Well, I'm actually going to go the John Campia route from here on out, and I'm not going to rate anything by like an A, B, C, or a number <laughs> because I feel like people just they their their first thing is like, well, why didn't you give it a ten? Or if you give something a seven, which is like a really good rating. W- you hate it. Why did you hate it? So I will say a test of courage has a lot of really nice layers that I actually found, um, surprising with the characters. And there's a lot of hints to a lot of old star Wars legends stuff that she kind of makes her own, which is very refreshing, especially when, um, when something's so new, you you don't know that they're going to come right out and do it. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting stuff that she actually hints in uh, for a middle school book. That being said, for me, which is not a, a critique of the author or the book itself, 
for me, it was still just a little bit too much of uh, dialed to a younger audience for me to mm-hmm. fully like dive in. But I think what makes this book very interesting, much like Rebels, is some of the things that they hint to, allude to, and some of the world building that she adds to a reader um, who would be a middle schooler. There's a lot of like little hints at a bigger world out there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting you say all of that too because I think Justina Ireland, just in general, this is kind of something she thrives at is that world building and taking things to make it her own. But between the three High Republic books so far, you know, Test of Courage, Into the Dark, and um, Light of the Jedi, this one I felt was kind of the one to like set up the most things, and maybe it's just because I wasn't expecting it to, but I was really shocked with where she went with a lot of this. And similarly, maybe I would feel a little bit different if I was like Brandon and I read all of the other middle school readers and I knew kind of what to expect going into it because this did seem a little bit heavier than what I was expecting. Um, And in talking to people who have read those other books with whether their kids or their classes, it seems to track, you know, it seems like this was just a little bit more mature and a little bit heavier than you would typically see with a middle school reader. So maybe if I, I kind of tampered some expectations, this would be easier for me to get into and easier for me to be like, Oh my God, this is great. Um, but overall, yeah, test of courage. I, I like the characters. I like the story. I like a lot of the things that were alluded to. It just, I, I want something a little bit more complex and a little bit darker. I do think we got a good amount of that, though, with Into the Dark. I was very happy with this. I'll say, I'll say that off the bat. Um, it's, it's funny, though, because this is something I struggle with every single time there's a new Star Wars book. Because I can make an argument for either way. I love the characters that were introduced in this book. And I love the way Claudia Gray explores their headspace, explores their relationships with each other. Everything just feels so natural and so organic. And I always connect to every single character she either writes for or she creates. This was absolutely no exception. I am torn, though, between do I like like this better or do I like something like Leia the Jedi where it's this you know overarching galaxy-wide adventure and everyone is going to be touched by it and it's really going to have these galactic repercussions or do I like these more isolated stories I almost feel like if you took Claudia Gray's characters and Claudia Gray's writing and did that kind of galactic approach to it, like she does in Bloodline, that would have been ideal, for me at least. But I I really like what she did with what she had. Um, I'm not a big like horror fan, and I felt like this really leaned a little bit more into that horror genre. But overall, I, I like the book. I love the characters, and I'm hoping we get more of these specific characters. All right, now it's been a couple weeks since I finished this book, uh, and I need to pronounce this again. Is it Leox Genasi? Genasi? Damn it, Zach! It, yeah, You're that's the one what I'm who saying. Who always does the audio books? Yes, <laughs> I should know this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Genasi, Jassy. It's Leox Jassy. That is how. He, okay. That's how you do it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you talk about characters like him, when, uh, Claudia Gray had went to the, their, basically their online con, she had described Leox Jassy as, like, a 1990s Matthew McConaughey, and when you're listening to him in the Audible, you hear it so much, and I think to kind of explain, or to, to kind of go off of what you're saying about, you would love to see Claudia Gray do these epic things with these characters, Um, because she's so good at characters. I think that's the best thing about the High Republic, is you're getting this big, broad story with Charles Soule, and he's clearly got a lot of things that he has left on the table to write, and there's phases of this High Republic. 
that it's going in. So you're getting this big epic with these smaller stories, with these little pockets. And, you know, I I think Claudia Gray is best when she is getting to focus on the characters. And I have never felt so immersed into a character's mind or felt like I had known these characters all my life, like with her books. And I think that's why something like... I think Claudia Gray could replicate Lost Stars tomorrow. All she would have to do is create a, you know, whatever, Jedi love story or whatever. Because, And I think the magic of Lost Stars is you really understand the bond of these characters. And that's what she does best. And that's why mm-hmm. the Into the Dark is so good. There's a lot more characters than Lost Stars. And it's a different story with uh, a lot of twists and turns, uh, and I feel like she actually gets her chance to write action. While it's not broad uh, strokes of action, she's get gets to be more unchained in this book and not bound by canon or like you know, master and apprentice. Qui-Gon can't fight a Sith here or fight someone truly challenging because then you know it, they would have made a movie out of it because he's not going to die here. He dies in Phantom Menace. Uh, and I think it was great to see her get to be a little bit more unchained and the characters still are written with a lot of different dynamics based on who the characters are. And that's that's what I love the most about this book. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it, because really it is not so much just about ever one specific character with her. It's about the relationships, you know, like you said, the bond that they share. And when you have a little bit bigger of a playground to see, okay, how do these guys mix and match? How do they relate to one another? It opens up the doors for so many possibilities. And I think she took full advantage of it. Um, So kind of with all that being said, I want to dive into what this really means for what's going to happen in Star Wars next. You know, we are getting all of this information as we go. We are being bombarded with so many different mediums and, and all of this different information about what was going on 200 years ago. So just real quick, what did you kind of take between these two stories with what we now know about the Jedi that we didn't know before? Was there anything that really like pops up to mind? I think the best thing specifically into the dark, and I know we're not talking much about light of the Jedi, but I, again, I feel like anytime we review these books from here on out, when it comes to high Republic, you have to like cross reference some of these things because they, they actually matter. Uh, what I like about, it's not about what I've learned from the Jedi more so than doubling down on what I already knew. And the thing that I'm finding in the high Republic um, is there's a lot of cracks in the order that aren't cracks yet. And I think that's fascinating um, because obviously, you know, you get Anakin Skywalker uh, because the Jedi had lost touch with themselves. In my opinion, the Jedi have, had lost touch with being in, you know, a sentient being human or, you know, alien. I'm using the term human, you know, because that's the term. We're only human. Um, but as imperfect sentient beings, um, they had lost touch with that. And the Jedi were very stricken by code and uh, nobody ever talked about their insecurities. They had to have this great facade. And what I love about the High Republic is doubling down on what we already know before the cracks have come into place already. So with Into the Dark specifically, you know, Wreath Silas uh, kind of is blinded in the, in the story, he gets blinded by a character based on his feelings for them. And they're very subtle. They're not exactly crazy romantic, but because he's not used to the outside world or he's not used to facing his feelings, he loses sight of the mission and gets distracted. When you look at um, Cormac Vitus and what is her name? Oh, where is it on my... Orla. Orla. There is clearly... It's not up front. It's very subtle, and you can pick up on it, but it is there. There is some deep history, romantic tension uh, to me yeah. with and those I characters. I that's where we were going with all those flashbacks. But yeah. <laughs> but not, I was waiting for that, yeah. 
but it's very subtle, but it's like nobody's talking about it. And the Jedi themselves, you know, they kind of scold themselves in their own head because of it, you know, and Claudia Gray very upfront, you know, talks about, you know, there was a certain joke about Jedi and their activities uh, romantically, and they kind of half in half out but it's like you're not allowed to go through with your actual feelings and but like every jedi does essentially in this in this book every jedi has some sort of attachment to something whether it's attachment to relationships uh a new attachment to someone new and you know interested in someone or attachment to the past and what you've lost in the past but yet nobody it's like a weakness to talk about it it's not it's not healthy and we know this uh corrosion leaks all the way up to anakin skywalker because he literally can't talk to yoda or obi-wan or anyone about his relationship with padme is so bad that he has nobody to relate with. And these are the things that we're seeing 200 years before. And that's what I find is fascinating. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely something where you seem like you can see the progression on how it got there. Because my impression with really both of these stories, more so than Light of the Jedi, really both here though, is everyone seems to acknowledge some kind of darkness right like it's it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world that a jedi in the high republic era might have some of these temptations or might have some of these questions and it seems like it's it's kind of just silently acknowledged that this is something everyone's going to go through at some point it's just a matter of to what degree and who do they open up to and how much whereas by the time we get to the prequels it's like you're you're weak if you even admit some kind of temptation. You just shove that down. You don't talk about it. You deny it from yourself. And you certainly just pretend like the temptation was never there. So, yeah, to see – I like the way you phrase it, that you can see the cracks starting to form that we know by the time the prequels roll around actually are cracks. Which is why I also find very fascinated with uh... – specifically into the dark um is the idea of a jedi wayseeker a jedi that gets to operate independently of the order i mean it, it joking it's essentially a jedi rumspringer like they gotta go crazy do you know what rumspringer is <laughs> yeah okay okay yeah that's the amish right Where yes like the, the it's a break from being amish they get six months i believe and oh, I didn't know it was that long. My yes. old drummer's dad used to cover, be in a cover band after he had stopped professionally doing music. And everything I've heard from every cover band ever is that Amish Rumspringers are the by far the craziest parties they have ever been to. All jokes aside, I like the idea of a Jedi way, way seeker because it allows a Jedi to kind of... Um, assess where their where their uh, priorities are, where their code is, who they are, why are they the way they are. Think about it. If Anakin had been able to take, and I, I go to the High Republic with Anakin, uh, and I'm probably going to for a while, just because he is the prime example of failure within the Order themselves. They failed mm-hmm. him. He failed himself, but they also really failed him. And that's where I think the corrosion of the Jedi falls into. And, you know, as we learn more about the political side, I'm sure that corrosion will end into the political side or the outer rim or the gangs. We'll, I think that's the greatest thing about the high Republic is seeing these cracks starting to form. But with the Jedi way seeker, I, I want to know who royally screws that up and stops that from being a thing? Why does that stop being a thing? Why are Jedi not allowed to take mental health breaks in between all of this? Um, and that's a fascinating thing in this book that they add to as well. Yeah, it just seems like there's a lot more kind of fluidity. And I am curious if by the end of the High Republic era, we'll get to see when that really did all stop 
Um, especially because, look, so so one thing, ah, what book was it? It's Into the Dark, yeah, with the, what's it called? The Dark Shrine underneath the temple? Yes, they finally it's revealed like, that one. Yeah, that's that was big, and I want to dive into that in a little bit, but but things like that where you, we're starting to see, okay, they are beginning to hide parts of the past of the Force. They are trying to claim the Force for their own and tuck away anything that that might suggest otherwise or even tempt otherwise. And just trying to take ownership that way, is that what essentially leads to the prequel downfall? Like, Or was it maybe one specific person? I know Drew's not going to want to hear this, but is it something like Avar Chris just came in and just messed everything up you know like what's what's the catalyst for all these changes or was it truly gradually over time um i know i for one am hoping that we get something a lot more with uh the nile and watching them come in and maybe mess up the order a little bit just because they fascinate me (laughs) you know i think i think they are arguably the best part of the high republic so anything more we can do there, but but there has to be something because right now we really are only seeing those little splinters of a crack and we know what it turns into. I just don't know if it's going to be covered, you know, how long is the High Republic? I know it's 200 years before the prequels, but are we saying here's this 50 year timeline? We have 100 years to play with. Like, how long is it going to be and will we actually get to see that? Well, I let me if I if I can look this up. There is a book coming out that was announced, the Vow of the uh, the Vow of Silver Dawn, that does date it at about eighty two before the oh, Battle yeah. of Yavin. So you did I, catch that. I, I yeah. think this thing's gonna, yeah. I got this whole chart on. Like I, I'm not missing a beat with it when it comes to the High Republic. Um, I I think it's gonna go right into the or very close to the events of the Phantom Menace, if I had to guess, um, especially with the Acolyte being a show that's coming out, um, which oh, is something yeah. that we're forgetting about. And I agree with you when it comes to the, the Nile, um, that there is going to be something big that they, they're going to be a part of something bigger. And I think they are one of the most fascinating um, things about the High Republic because also, you know, you put a Nile guy against a Jedi, a Jedi is going to win, but they're so chaotic and they're, they're a mass amount of them that you can't control. They are essentially the army version of the Joker and the Jedi yes, are just yeah. trying to keep up with these Nile. I mean, they, they just, they really are. And Marcion Rowe, which is an, you know, really a different book, um, is slightly mentioned in into the dark um is a very fascinating character and what i love about that book is they just hint that there's some crazy past that he has but they let right off the gas and to answer your question about avar chris i don't think she's gonna run it into the ground but i think she plays a big part in the cracks that lead to the jedi um with tightening tightening sure. their reins i think yeah. i think uh i think that she is going to have a big part in the jedi tightening their reins and maybe uh being l- less talkative about the way they are um when it comes to yeah. romance um which i i think is is fascinating with the old republic itself i love seeing these like every Jedi loves someone or likes someone, but nobody's talking about. It's my favorite thing so far about the High Republic. It is a really nice way to add the tension, you know. Even if it doesn't, if even if it doesn't bring anything specifically to the story just yet, yeah, I like that added layer of tension. But before we go too far off, look, I want to talk about some of these villains since we are now talking about the army of Jokers. Um, what did you think about the villainous plants, I guess, in Into the Dark? What was your impression? I thought they were... They were okay. I mean, they were scary. Mm-hmm. They were thrilling. Um, 
I can't wait to see more of them for sure. But Really? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure they're going to be in the comic book. One of the comic books. Um, so I definitely think we'll see more. But they were definitely... They were way more plot device than they were actual villains. They aren't as great as the Nile. But I love the no. element that they offered as like an ancient weird race that the Jedi had no clue about, really. And so I don't think we know everything about them yet. A little tiny bit underwhelming, but very cool in premise and concept. And I think we're going to see more of them later because there is a lot of them. You know, that book does kind of hint that they might be some kind of player in all of this. I don't think they're going to be Nile big, but the book definitely hints that they probably have a part to play. And this is probably not a good thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. Like, I like them as a way... I wouldn't say it was a plot device, but maybe like a thematic device because we learned so much about the force through it. And I think that's really important. And I like them for that aspect. There's so much that we learned about the force, but I don't think they really made like the most threatening villains, especially when you have, in my opinion, what could have been, a, it was a great book. It is a great book, but it could have been so much better if you had, a really more menacing Batman-y type villain, you know, especially with this horror-esque genre that it's in. But the the plants for me just kind of didn't didn't really do it. But it it did in terms of what we learned about the Force. You know, again, I thought that having plants as villains was a little bit silly. But or I keep saying villains, I guess just any kind of antagonist. Um, but we learned a lot about the force you know we now know that the force can be in just true sentience it doesn't have to be intelligent life forms you know to the point of jar jar banks you don't need to be able to speak to use the force and we have kind of that thrawn salamari-esque issue i don't want to say issue but you know what i mean that issue of they are able to kind of turn the force off in others. And that could open up the door quite a bit. You know, are there other life forms like this? Where are they? Are they going to be able to be used by anyone? And then, of course, we we get the chance to learn more about the Sith. So how did you feel about everything we learned about the force and the Sith of old through these plants? Well, I obviously I loved all of that, um, and I love that there are these dark artifacts just laying around. I mean, when's the last time we've so read? Much. So when's much. When's the last time we've had a novel that just has dark artifacts laying around that's actual canon? It's been a Dooku really long Jedi time. Lost. Yeah, and it was, and that's why not it was phenomenal. Nearly enough. Yeah, not, not nearly enough. Not yeah. nearly enough, but it was phenomenal. And and I had I, honestly like I rate that book very high. And if you'd asked me if I'd care so much about a Dooku book, I would have told you probably not so much. But I love that book because it really leans into the dark past. And what I mm -hmm. love about this book is it doesn't give you specifics, but it's a lot of hinting. And when it comes to the turning off the force. I am very nervous on how that will go, and I will definitely need a definite end or answer to these creatures and to um, the specifics of it, because it could get weird later down the road. And I think that um, the original Thrawn trilogy certainly was right up to about the limit of where weird can get before it's just uncanny and, and Yusan Vong type style stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's why I overall give these creatures a good grade, but it also doesn't help that I read all of the 1980s Alan Moore swamp thing run. And that's what these creatures are. So like <laughs> I just picture a lot of swamp thing when I was, uh, my mind's eye was seeing them, <laughs> hearing them. So I That's lean in so much better than mine because I went, <laughs> I went to freaking Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. see, I went into Way swamp. Yeah, yeah, I went into swamp thing, and I still think that these creatures, in the end, 
will have a big part to play. I just don't think it was in Claudia's book. We're still in a very early phase with them. And as far as the Sith goes, I love that they finally acknowledged um, or doubled down more on the Jedi Temple being built on top of a Sith Temple, right? That's the exact specific. It's a, It was a Sith Temple, correct? Am I, yes, am I saying that right? Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure I... I'm pretty sure I was. Uh, Lord of Lore here. Uh, but I want to know why. I want to know what what made them do that, why they did it, why they wanted to do that. And I think that there's more than just one answer. And I want to see what that other answer is. I hope so. And it's, you know, I know we're talking so much about Into the Dark, but to me it's just because that was a little bit meatier and something I think we both seem to connect with a little bit more. Um, but they also did this really well with test of courage, just kind of bringing in those elements and not necessarily flashbacks, but giving us a little bit more history into the Sith. You know, I think they talked about the Sith wars a few times and, and they make mention of this. And I think that's almost more interesting is the fact that they seem to, talk about it so casually they seem to talk about it the way that we as americans talk about the revolutionary war you know it happened sure there might be lessons to be learned from it for a variety of reasons but it's you know it's history it's trivia it's just something that everyone knows but no one really knows or understands the details and then all of a sudden in into the dark we have this entire collection underneath where people are still actively going and, and building and it's going to have to have some kind of repercussion. So I don't necessarily agree with you that we're going to see these. Well, I forget the name of the plants. The, I don't have them. The I, I Denigar was or something. The Dengar. Is that yeah. sound about right? Uh, something like that. But yeah, these plants we're going to, I don't know if we're necessarily going to see them again in this regard or if they're going to have any kind of satisfying conclusion like you're hoping for. But I think it was more of a way to introduce us to what's going on underneath the temple. And the fact that the force can work in mysterious and very interesting ways. Yeah, that's and and that's a very interesting thought uh it it itself um is kind of just how 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 do these the sith war is the equivalent like what they're doing with the high republic is like i'm just gonna say right now like they for sure are already working on old republic plans like even if the new rumored remake of knights of the republic isn't is legends is not is canon whatever it is they're working on a concrete plan and this is them trusting the authors and letting them dip their toes. And it's working because what are we talking about more than anything about this book? Obviously we love the characters. Obviously we think these uh, stories are great test of courage and into the dark, but it's the hints of the past and hints of the present. That is the most fascinating thing about these books and what these characters do in these timelines, knowing the past and the audience knowing the future. And I love that they're dipping their toes with the Sith. Primarily, I want to know more on how that affects later down the line. You know, the Jedi were blinded by the dark side. Being that they built that the Jedi Temple on top of a Sith Temple, does that dark side power really hint and help Palpatine or the future Sith? cloud their judgment cloud their shadow is there some kind of tiny possession stopping them from seeing the big you know the 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 little things uh maybe changing their judgment subtly you know you don't know anything about this and i claudia gray really just went all for it um and i want to ask you a question being that i know that you well, definitely, well, hopefully, um, know what I'm talking about. Did you notice that she doubled down more on the Amaxine Warriors? Yes, I did, from Bloodline. Yes, and yes. she gave us a lot about them, actually. Yeah, I was shocked. And when when I first saw the name, I kind of had to like do 
a double take, like, where do I remember reading about them from? And then it hit me. I was like, oh. but she, Claudia Gray, I will say, I think does this more than any other author. She relates back to her own material really often. I don't think that's a criticism of her by any means. I think it's just a matter of she's probably the most used Star Wars author as of recently. So if you're going to give a callback to another Star Wars material, odds are it's going to be Claudia Gray. But yeah, I... um. I did pick up on that. I was absolutely thrilled by that because I love them in Bloodline. Um, really like the opportunities it presents. And I'm hoping that now we get connections, not just through the prequels. You know, we talk so much about the High Republic and how it relates and how it's going to bring us to the prequel era. But I love seeing these connections and these names that might even take us farther than that and might even kind of skip to the First Order. So I really hope that this is an organization that we're going to keep getting to explore. Again, I think the, I, don't know, I keep doing this. Is it the Nile, the Nil? It's the Nile, right? Uh, the Audible, the Audible, um, what's his name? Anyway, it doesn't, it does matter. You're amazing. I love you. And I will remember your name someday. Um, Mark Thompson, uh, he pronounces it the Nihil. The Nihil. The Nihil. Okay. The Nihil. Um, I do think and I do hope that they continue to be the main focus when we we look at villains and whatnot. But look, if they're going to have spinoffs, you know, if they're going to have TV shows, maybe we can work it into the Acolyte. But this is an organization I would really like to see a little bit more of. Yeah, I'm. I mean, like we know next to nothing about them, uh, and I kind of almost to slightly Claudia Gray. I love everything she does, and this does not even matter. I would have liked to slightly see a little bit more of the Nihil in this book rather than the Drangar, um, just because yeah. I was already very invested in uh, in uh, Light of the Jedi so much by the end of that book, and I was very unsure at the start of that book what they were going to be. And um, the Nihil are great, and I, I'm I'm excited to see where they're going. But to kind of answer, or to kind of go off on a tangent for myself, I'm the the biggest thing I'm excited for with uh, the High Republic is the corrosion, and I think the coolest thing out there right now is, and I, I'm just gonna I'm. I'm going to make a guess that at some point way later down the line, I'm talking maybe even like, depending on how long they go with this thing, year down the line, it'll reveal that Sith are pulling the strings to the Nihil, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Whether or not the Nihil know it, whether or not, uh, you know, I don't think it, obviously anybody's going to find out. I think the Sith are pulling the strings, whether the Nihil know or don't know. There was a hint with Marcion Rowe that there's something more to his history, and I'm not saying that that leads to the Sith, but also the most fascinating thing about this world is the world itself. The attacks, the random uh, crashes into planets, Starlight Beacon, the Jedi being Texas Rangers of the Galaxy, and going uh, at the height of the Republic, a unified government full of hope and inspiration, and a Jedi set to expand and help the Outer Rim. But you get this Viking, chaotic evil that is ravenous for blood, money, weapons, and the Order, who is unified more than ever, starting to see some cracks with their individualism of themselves. And then when you add on top that somewhere out there in this timeline, in this galaxy is a Sith Lord doing something (laughs) that we're not talking about and probably won't talk about for a while. That is the most exciting is the premise of what this is what these characters go through in their own books, but that there's so much going on in this world. And you get to visit these characters and these stories, but there's 
also so much going on. I think that's the most exciting thing about the High Republic is we got to live in these characters' mind, but going on right here and now, there's 50 million other stories that we'll allude to eventually. Yeah, and and you you talk about there's so much going on, and it's true. I think you are absolutely onto something with you know that Sith connection and and them pulling the strings. But the other piece that is also going on in right now in the background of all of this, and I think it might be something where we see in some other stories later on, but is the Republic itself. You know, we're so focused right now on the Jedi and on the Nihil. And that's great. That's a lot of fun. That's what we're what we're here for. But at the same time, what really strikes me in the very, very little that we see about the actual Republic in these stories is how far away it all seems from the Republic that we knew in the prequels. And what I mean by that is the Jedi Order, while it is different, while there are some very unevolved aspects of it, it's still pretty close and pretty similar to what we see 200 years later in the Jedi Order. There's nothing incredibly shocking, and and I'll be honest, I was expecting there to be. But all in all, it's pretty similar to what we see. These kind of different terrorist organizations and, and the space Vikings, like you said, like that's pretty similar to other things we've seen. The thing that seems so far removed from what we're used to is the Republic itself. You know, people are still figuring it out what it means to join the Republic. Like, you know, we, we do see quite a bit of it in these two stories where other people are talking about the pros and cons of even joining the Republic. And hyperspace lanes and the Starlight Beacon are all just being created. And it seems like in the 200-year gap here, maybe the Republic moved a little bit too quickly for other organizations like the Jedi to really keep up. And maybe even that's something that the Sith are also manipulating. So maybe they're not just manipulating the villains and the antagonists, but the speed at which the Republic is evolving at a rate where maybe no one else can scale to it. Yeah. I, that's something that I honestly haven't, haven't really thought of, but when you go to what I'm saying is that there's a Sith out there, there's somebody, you know, Palpatine was the culmination of a millennia of Mm -hmm. slow plans being made. And I think it's obviously all these things will eventually tie to the Sith, whether or not it's revealed or it's like you find out slowly, you know, this, this, these events became Palpatine's culmination. I think it will be revealed, but there's something, there's an example to be made about that. And I I think that's a really good um, thought lane that you're going in when it comes to, Maybe they expanded too quick. Maybe they pushed their boundaries. Or maybe they they expanded too quick, pushed the boundaries, and you know, by the time we get to the Clone Wars, all these planets have got cold feet and have lost their faith because they can't keep their resources. And because, let's face it, what we already know of the Star Wars universe, uh, specifically the prequels, is that core planets still get way more than uh, Outer Rim planets. Like, the core gets taken care of, and the Outer Rim gets the scraps. And I think you're gonna... I don't know. I think we will see that. Um, But I think we'll also see more as to why planets don't sign up for the Republic and don't want to be a part of it. And that might do some foreshadowing as to why other planets get cold feet about remaining in the Republic in the prequels. And I think that's kind of the the most exciting thing is it's a prequel to the prequels, but it's its own crazy story that will eventually show um, cracks to the prequels and what leads to that event. But at the end of the day, it's its own story and we have no effing clue and it doesn't have to get anywhere. It doesn't have to go anywhere. It has nowhere to go. <laughs> Don't forget too, if we're right and they're going to start giving us more of like the Sith war and whatnot, 
this won't just be a prequel to the prequel that's also a story on its own. It could also be the sequel to the prequel prequel. <laughs> it really is going to be, I think, a really interesting timeline. And I'm, I'm excited and apprehensive about how it all plays out. But this is the fun thing. You know, you got to think, you know, 2014, 2015. How alive were we for speculating Star Wars? Yeah. And then... You know, you know, like I was talking Plagueis. You know, I thought that Ray's staff was his staff and that Snoke was Plagueis. And we were going to find out that Palpatine's master never actually died. And he was playing this dude like a pawn. And it was so exciting to talk about it. I mean, like, think about WandaVision right now. Everybody's talking about WandaVision because it's so much fun to talk about what could happen and then the episode comes out and there's more to talk about. And that's what I love about the High Republic. And it's what I miss about Star Wars because once you get to The Last Jedi, all that stuff kind of really goes down. And then when you get to The Rise of Skywalker, you start to think, oh, it didn't even matter at all. Everything that I've talked about didn't matter because mm-hmm. I kind of allude to... Oh, the, yeah. You're I, talking to someone who is a, a hard Ray Kenobi <laughs> conspiracy theory. Right. And I, I allude to The Rise of Skywalker is I got everything I wanted with no with no uh, context. Because I did want Palpatine to come back. I did want Rey to have a lightsaber. I did want her to be a Palpatine. But it just got handed to me, like, on a plate. And I, I, I mean, you know I love Rise of Skywalker. I'm also a massive, massive, massive Beatles fan. I would say other than Star Wars, that's really my, my thing, my identifier. I'm a big Beatles fan. I didn't know um, that. Yeah. First album I ever bought was the Greatest Hits Red Album. Oh, fantastic choice. But I equate Rise of Skywalker to kind of like Abbey Road. And I don't mean it as a bad thing because I love Abbey Road. And I know most people don't like Rise of Skywalker. But the reason I compare it to Abbey Road is because it's not necessarily its own thing. It's not saying here is something new and fresh and totally exciting. It's saying we're going to pick our favorite thing about every single album and just do one song as though it could go on that album. And that's how I feel about Rise of Skywalker. It's like we're going to pick one thing from every movie that we really liked and put it in in its own movie. And I look at Rise of Skywalker. I, I You don't get the – if the Rise of Skywalker uh, didn't get the reaction that it got – well, that's not true. No, I'm going to I'm going to recant and not even say that. I think that Lucasfilm learned very quickly that they need to have a plan for their universe. Yes. And the High Republic yes. is so far a success because it has a plan, because it knows where it's going. And I think us as Star Wars fans, half the fun of Star Wars is learning more about the lore, finding characters that are original, new characters. We want new characters. It's very clear. Like, we want old characters, too. I'm so excited about Obi-Wan. But we want new characters, too. But we also want to be able to speculate. And for the longest time, we've kind of known what... When the prequels came out, you know, okay, Anakin's eventually going to become Vader. I knew that as, like, a little kid. And the sequels were so exciting because... You didn't know what was going to happen. And to me, the High Republic so far is a better planned version of that. And it's so exciting to talk about because we're already 53 minutes into this book review. And there's so much that's going to be left on the table. Yeah, yeah. No, And I will say the thing I think I need most right now because I... I wholeheartedly agree with you with everything i think that one of the biggest failures of the sequel trilogy which i absolutely love don't get me wrong i love all three of those movies but they needed something more cohesive completely agree with you there it should have been one writer one director saying this is what's going to happen we aren't going to start filming a single movie until we know what's going to happen from beginning to end i agree with you I agree with you that High Republic is doing this so much better. It is well thought out. It's good communication between the various authors, between the various mediums. 
the one thing I need more than anything else in the world right now is a freaking visual dictionary because I am having so much trouble, especially in Test of Courage. There's there's some great callbacks to, you know, there's um, an ancestor of San Ostaro, which we didn't even get to. Um, but there's all these great connections and I'm trying to just keep it straight in my mind. Like, wait, who's new? Who was in something else? Where do I know this person from? Where do I know this planet from? Where do I know this reference from? I need some kind of visual dictionary so I can know what these characters really do look like and start to connect a few more dots. I think that's the one thing I feel like I truly do need that we don't have yet and won't have for quite some time. Yeah, maybe not quite some time, but eventually. And again, that's why when people ask me, I'm obviously so excited about Obi-Wan and I'm, I just, I, I can't even tell you how excited I am, but right now the biggest thing I'm watching for in Star Wars is the Acolyte. I want to know what's going on with this Acolyte thing because I, there is a Sith out there in this High Republic and what's going to be awesome is it, it says at the end of the High Republic, it's just more it's more things that we're going to learn. And right now we're seeing the glory. And I think it's going to get much, much, much worse for the Republic, for the worlds, for the characters who are living in this world. And I think we're getting a very new hope, but like way more Superman version of a new hope. We're getting this heightened version because it is going to come crashing and we are going to see the delusion of everything and I cannot wait. And that's why I want to know what the Sith are doing right now. And that's why the acolytes number one on my list. Um, because I want to see what they're pulling, what they're doing and watching. I mean, could you imagine like a excerpt in which a Sith Lord is sitting on the throne with their apprentice running business deals or talking to crime lords or the Nihil themselves, and they're watching the Republic thrive, the Jedi thrive better than ever before. And whoever that apprentice is and that master, it's there's a plan to get this crashing. And if, when you watch this show... You're going to find out how we're going to crash all of this and what we've been doing to make sure. And they're laughing at this heightened glory that everybody's in. They're so happy. And the Sith are just sitting there saying, we have a plan. We're just right wait. here. Just wait. Yeah. Hold no, my, my friend, beer. As always, I think you are absolutely spot on in terms of your takeaways from these two books, your takeaways from the High Republic so far and where we're going with the future of Star Wars. Um, so with that, I want to just thank you for joining me tonight. I, you know, I always miss when Brandon's not here, but if I had to pick a substitute, it's always going to be you, my friend. Well, um, thank you. I'm glad. So <laughs> I'm glad to be here. It's, you know, if I don't get to talk Star Wars with you, uh, at least like once a month, I'm usually like, ah, I kind of, I kind of need to talk to yeah, Lindsay about some things. It just feels yeah. weird because I, you know, everybody on this network vibes in completely different ways. And I feel like, especially with you, the best way to describe our um, relationship when it comes to star Wars is we ask the same questions and that's fun. That's fun to like, yeah, kind of it know is. that it so. is. We don't always have the same answer, but I think you and I kind of pick and prod at the same thing. So that's always fun. Um, but look, tell everyone where they can find you if they want more fantastic questions, if I am being so humble, because we do ask great questions. <laughs> where, where can everyone find you? Well, I help run the Clashing Sabers Instagram. I also help run the Sith Talk Instagram. Follow both. And if you want to see more about my personal uh, life or just talk to me personally and directly, um, my Instagram is SithTalker25, where I talk all things comic books. I post a lot of metal, so watch out when you press a story. It might get something a little bit intense. Uh, comic books, Star Wars, and now uh, smoking meats because I have a new smoker that I've been working on every weekend. So that's where you can find me. Trust me, it gets boring and repetitive eventually, but <laughs> that is me. I like that you give the metal warning because Brandon actually sent me a song the other day and he's like, this is a great workout song. And I was like, you and I have very different workout tastes. Send this to Zach. <laughs> yeah. 
And he did. <laughs> good, good. Awesome. Well, yeah, like uh, like Zach said, you can always find Clashing Sabers over on Instagram. You can also join our Facebook group where we always have some great conversations going and we love hearing what you guys are all up to. Um, any kind of artwork, any kind of blogs or podcasts that you're doing, feel free to go on to our Facebook group, uh, Clashing Sabers, and chat with us all there. And then, of course, Twitter, uh, Clashing Sabers, but mostly please consider joining our Patreon. Um, aside from just podcasting and writing articles and putting out, in my opinion, some fun content, um, we are first and foremost a nonprofit organization, and we really do focus on getting books into schools. Every single dollar that we raise goes to buying more Star Wars books to get into schools all across the country. And even though we just had a phenomenal fundraiser, we had a great auction with some Really, really fantastic um, stuff given away there, different autographs. Um, any dollar that we get from Patreon goes to that cause. You can always donate all throughout the year, but first and foremost, please consider anything you can do there. If you can't um, financially donate, please go to clashingsabers.net and feel free to nominate any teacher that you know, whether it is your kids, your school, your teachers, or just friends of yours. Um, I know I always nominate um, my teacher friends, my sister, who's a teacher. So any new schools that we can start to help out, we always appreciate that as well. But in the meantime, keep reading, keep writing, but whatever you do, don't burn the sacred text. All right, by this point, you know how this goes. Their stuff, their stuff, our stuff, our stuff. Not associated with Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, give me a call. Dave Filoni, I'm there if you need me. Our thoughts? They're our thoughts. They don't reflect Lucasfilm or anybody else associated with this stuff. So, if you don't like it, we're sorry. If you do like it, great. Let us know either way on iTunes, on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. Rate us, review us, share us, tell your friends about us, and dadgummit, whatever you do, just don't burn the sacred text. Text.